0: This is The Breakfast Wrap with
1: John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is the Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, the 21st of December. Welcome to winter. Welcome to winter indeed. The weather forecast for today, sunny with a high of plus one, but beginning Thursday afternoon or evening, looks like we're going to have some major weather. We'll give you greater details as the morning continues. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, eight teenage girls accused of killing a man in downtown Toronto on Sunday. Number two, condo residents killed in Vaughan, mass shooting have been identified. Number three, people are changing plans ahead of the holiday weekend winter storm. Number four, Mr. Zelensky goes to Washington. Number five, Twitter has a new job opening for a CEO.
2: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: People are, are making plans and unmaking plans, but if anything confirms that, you know, we're in a bit of a what would you say, a readiness posture here. Um, Porter Airlines has actually issued a notice to the public, or it's notice to its clients anyway, that if people want to change their flights, they can do so, and without charge. Now, you're going to have to call a call call center, so it uh, probably won't be the easiest of processes. But when an airline offers you the option of changing your ticket without charge, um, that's I mean, that's seriously good customer service, but also confirmation that maybe this isn't going to be the wet firecracker that some people think it's going to be. You
3: have to be fairly convinced that this is a likely event to take that kind of action.
1: But also, it actually saves the airline time, right? Because if people change their flights now, if those flights are canceled... Then instead of the airline having to deal with everything pell mell in the immediate aftermath of the cancellations, we already have here on Wednesday, and people will probably do so on Thursday, people changing their plans. And certainly in our house, as you know. Every Christmas on Christmas Eve, we hop in the car fairly early in the morning, so that would be Saturday, and head off to Montreal. And that's possibly, given the track of this storm, one of the worst scenarios, because we would be, even if it's over here in Toronto, we'd be chasing it into Montreal. And if you've ever driven on the 401 in a winter storm, it is awful. And as a matter of fact, you go through all these pockets where all of a sudden you've got zero visibility, and next thing you know, everything's fine. But anyway, I don't want to be a catastrophist, but we're already making backup plans for okay, maybe we've got to do Christmas in Toronto, and then we'll head, or or Christmas Eve in Toronto, then we'll head in. On Sunday, it's a little less time with family.
3: The kids are up opening gifts around 4 if you want to swing by uh, Christmas morning, you know.
1: Yeah, the strange grumpy man popping in for the first time in a long time. You're used to getting up that early, so that'd be great. True. Um, So, aside from preparing for the storm, and we're going to talk to Bill Coulter, meteorologist, again on the show this morning, because the most important thing here is, I mean, with any storm, it's all about the timeline and the snow accumulation and how bad it's going to be when it's happening, but last week... We were all getting ready. What are we going to do about this big storm coming? And then I know some people did get wallop. Some people did get their 10 to 15 centimeters of snow. But in the city of Toronto, it was more like hurricane caliber rain for hour after hour after hour. Well, now, and wind could be a big part of this thing yeah. too. So, But what happened last Friday, right, was that the temperature was plus one and it held at plus one. Part of this storm is the temperature is expected to drop and drop well below zero. So that kind of dynamic is off the table. Uh, Stories we're talking about this morning, I mean, it's hard to conjure the words, really. It's jaw-dropping, it's uh, frightening, and it's outrageous. you got eight girls, teenagers. We're talking 13, 14, 16 years old. Eight girls who, apparently, we don't know if they necessarily knew each other, but they're from all over the city, apparently, and they hooked up on social media. How long ago? Not clear. Was it as recently as the day where they ended up surrounding a homeless man, 59-year-old homeless man in the city's core, York Street and University Avenue, and allegedly stabbing him, and he died was rushed from the scene to the hospital where he died and I mean there's a million questions here I guess maybe I've lost the thread I'm getting older and I don't remember at what age I would have been allowed to be somewhere downtown on a Saturday night but these girls were allegedly making trouble as early as 10 30 p.m. and then came this incident and the story as told by uh, friends of the man who were with him at the time. Uh, he and another woman were having a uh, drink on the street, and there was an argument. The girls apparently wanted the alcohol, and there was struggle, and then the man was punched and stabbed. So, a million questions to be asked, but also a tragedy with a precariously housed, at this moment, homeless man. Apparently, he's been in the system for about two years mining his own business on a Saturday night and being murdered and allegedly by eight teenage girls.
3: Everyone had the same reaction yesterday when that email flew around. Yeah, and I can't
1: say the the words on the air. But
3: it was uh, uh, holy whatever. I I mean, how everyone was shocked because it's just this. I don't remember anything like this.
1: Well, we have time, don't we? We can listen to this uh, report, which uh, comes to us from. Um, Adrian uh, Gobria from CTV National News. Here we go.
2: These eight females um, range in age from 13 to 16 three of them being 13, three of them being 14, and two of them being 16 years of age.
3: The deadly incident played out shortly after midnight on Sunday morning.
1: They were arguing, they were screaming, they were yelling.
3: Eyewitnesses tell CTV News that the victim, a 59-year-old man living in Toronto's shelter system, was sharing a drink with a woman when the alleged violence began. They were sitting on a bench, sipping booze out of a a mickey, having a cigarette. CTV News spoke off camera with the woman who was with the victim. She claims the teenagers approached and tried to steal their bottle of alcohol. When they resisted, the eight young women allegedly attacked.
2: would be consistent with what we traditionally call a swarming or a swarming type behavior.
3: Police say the victim suffered from stab wounds and died shortly after being rushed to hospital.
2: I simply can't think of any scenario that uh, comes anywhere close to this in terms of the numbers and the ages.
3: Retired homicide detective Mark Mendelson says investigators will now focus on the role each one of the eight had in the alleged murder.
2: How many different weapons, sharp-edged weapons were used during the course of, of uh, of, of this attack?
3: Roberto Sanchez, who often holds the door at the nearby Tim Hortons, knew the victim well. He was a kind-hearted person. Everyone has their issues. But uh, all in all, I mean, uh, I didn't see him as a touch to no one. It's heart-wrenching. You know, I just can't believe it. Investigators believe there's video evidence of the incident. They also say that the group of girls met online. though They're all from different corners of the city. What brought them here still remains a mystery.
2: Time to say Good morning to John Moore, Newstalk Radio 1010. we we'll see what's on his mind today.
1: Morning, John. Good morning, George. Nice to be here.
2: Good to have you. Uh, this is a very disturbing story. Uh, a premeditated social media swarming by a group of teenage girls on a man in downtown Toronto resulting in his death.
1: Yeah, words fail here, actually. I don't know if it's astonishing, gobsmacking, jaw-dropping. It's certainly horrifying. And it kind of compounds the situation in our city and in the GTA where people are starting to wonder, what's in the air these days? What's with this random violence? And what's with people who seem to have mental health issues attacking other individuals, sometimes fatally? But in this case, George, it just defies any kind of explanation. This happened on Saturday night. I don't know what a bunch of teenage girls, aged uh, 13, 14, and 16 are doing in the downtown core in the first place, or what they're doing, allegedly swarming a 59-year-old homeless man and stabbing him to death. Uh, they were taken into custody. They've made their first court appearance. But I you know, I think, I think suspect a lot of people today and yesterday afternoon when we first heard about this are just saying, what the heck is going on? Yeah,
2: it, it does defy uh, words and logic. Uh, so does this story. Uh- uh, the Vaughan victims of the, those condo killings that are now being identified.
1: We are uh, learning who they were. There was an open hearted realtor. There was a grandfather of a defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Other residents who were volunteering their time on the condo board and taking the brunt of the uh, abuse from the alleged gunman up until the time that he murdered them. But five innocent people all gunned down. And as we know, that gunman was taken out by police when they arrived on the scene. There was actually a moment of silence last night at the Maple Leafs game in honor. They didn't name any. Any of the victims they didn't even actually say out loud that one of them was connected yeah. to one of the players but they had a moment of silence
2: and john
1: something winter this way comes Yeah, and it's all about the timing, isn't it? Because there's this urgency to be with family or to be somewhere else. And I think it's a real indication of how seriously people are taking the storm. And I'll leave it to Bill to map out the timeline. He's going to do that on our show as well this morning because it's so critical to decisions people are going to have to make. But you can certainly see that people are taking this seriously. Porter Airlines has offered that if you have tickets booked to fly before Christmas, that you can move them without charge. And so if Porter is telling you that you can change flights in advance of Christmas flights on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Then you know that at the corporate level they're taking this very seriously. Yeah.
2: And it's a it's a continental situation. This isn't just us. It's the yeah. entire the entire continental of the United States and most of the western part of this country too. It's either snow cold, wind or both or all three. Um, all right to uh, Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky is uh, going to be yeah. visiting Washington, D.C. This is his first international trip since this war began 11 months ago.
1: Yeah, and you have to think what kind of stealth they have to engage in to make sure that he gets back safely to home. But I think this is a measure of the importance of the relationship, first of all, with the West, but especially Vladimir Putin and the United States. Because if the West were to stop supplying Ukraine with weaponry, then this war would quickly be over and in the, Russian, the Russians' favor. So he'll be in Washington today. He'll meet with the president. He'll speak before Congress. And one of the things on the table here is Patriot missiles. And that's a pretty dicey affair because they're extraordinarily hard to operate and the Americans cannot send their own members of the military into Ukraine. So they're going to have to intensely train members of the Ukrainian military and outside of the country.
2: Interesting to see how the Republicans in Congress uh, respond because they're taking over mm-hmm. in a couple of months and they've made it pretty clear uh, that they're... You know, that the open check, the blank check uh, will be ending in terms of supplying uh, arms and aid to Ukraine. We shall see. And finally, John, the ego has landed. Elon Musk is looking for a new Twitter boss.
1: He is. As you know, on the weekend, he had a vote on Twitter. 10 million people voted. 57.5% said they wanted him to step down. He had said, well, I consider this to be binding. And then he said, I'm not going to step down. And now (laughs) he's stepping down. So no indication of who the new leader might be. But one of the reasons he might be getting out of the way would be that his other company, Tesla's stock, is in freefall, losing even more yesterday. But on the year, year year-to-date, Tesla stock down 65.5%.
2: Hey, look, I'm retiring in a week from today, or tomorrow, so should I apply? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> sure, why not? I'm also an egomaniac, but I have an inferiority complex, too, so that might, that might serve <laughs> me well with Twitter, right? It's kind of an up-and-down thing. Uh, John, thanks very much. Have a good day and a good show.
1: Okay. Right, Belt's over That's here. George Lagajanis, our friend over at CP24. You're listening, listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. John Moore. So after an attack that happened on Monday, where a woman, apparently with a bottle, attacked people at St. Clair subway station, I always say for there to be a pattern in something obviously you need, and it's, you know, you need a one, two, three, and then in this case four, five, six, we have people being stabbed, attacked, jostled, uh, not long ago pushed in front of a subway train, and on the streets, and obviously there's there's cause for concern. And as Ed Keenan writes today, there seems to be something in the air in the city right now at a time when we expect the jingling of sleigh bells and bright lights to inspire joy and generosity. Instead, there's a brittleness and tension piercing through everyday frustrations and exploding into episodes of violence. And, you know, he concludes saying we need a great degree of measure here. Um, and and actually, one of the things he touches on, and I, I was accused yesterday of not being charitable enough to the suspected shooter in Vaughan, but it's hard to be charitable even if somebody is suffering from mental illness for somebody who's killed five people, allegedly. And not only that, but again, as Ed Keenan writes in his column today, which you can find in the Star. Um, pretty, well, pretty well, by definition, a shooting spree is committed by somebody in a mental health crisis. So I guess there needs to be some degree of sympathy for people in, in need and in a crisis. And perhaps if we had a more adaptive and responsive system out there, then these people would get the attention they need before they attack someone. But then you get to these 18 teenage girls who are now accused of uh, murdering a 59-year-old man in the city's core swarming him having hooked up on social media I don't think these girls, I think these girls are incredibly disturbed there is something fundamentally wrong with them but I don't think they were in a mental health crisis so it really is a WTF moment I think um, in in the life of our city, and I'll be recording an interview with John Tory, a year-end interview, and it's definitely one of the things I'll ask him about because I agree with um, Ed Keenan. There's there's a negative vibe out there, and you know, yesterday I went to see this uh, immersive Disney, and we'll talk about that a little later on in the show. It's down at number one, Young Street, which is the old Toronto Star building. And so the only way to complete your trip is you go to King Street subway station, and then you walk down. And, you know, in the subway station, I found myself sort of checking people out and and going up the escalator. I kind of went sideways because, you know, maybe that's a level of paranoia. But an awful lot of people have been attacked quite recently and out of the blue. And also, I agree entirely entirely. With the union head that we talked with on the show on Monday, who said that part of the problem out there is that homeless people, that, you know, they're using the TTC as a means of warming up and they're sleeping on benches and they're wandering through stations and they're in the path system. And yet, again, the victim this past weekend was a homeless person. So whenever people you know, sort of pinpoint that as the source of this city's problems, um, then you get to asking a lot of questions about how it happened that eight girls as young as 13 years old are in the downtown core with a weapon on a Saturday night and how they end up in an altercation and allegedly killing a person. The victims of the Vaughan high rise shooting have been identified and portraits of who they were, including a grandfather of a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, a real estate agent um, whose uh, family is mourning him all the way from Pakistan. Uh, we had couples who were killed in their own condos. So, um, here with a more comprehensive look at what we know now is, Adri- uh, is uh, Heather Wright.
0: I'm um, obviously pretty shook up, it took a while for it to hit. Today police released the identities of the victims, Russell Manock and his wife Helen Manok who went by Lorraine, Navid Dada, Rita Camilleri and Vittorio Panza, the grandfather of Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Victor Mete.
2: Our hearts go out to the victims' families.
0: Tonight the Leafs paid tribute to the victims.
2: These are real human beings who lived long lives, right? And on a Sunday night, were probably just in their homes like all of us were, um, you know, waiting to start the week.
0: A sixth person, Doreen Danino, was also shot in the rampage, the wife of the president of the condo board, a bullet John Danino thinks was meant for him.
3: Her life has changed forever. We cannot undo that here today.
0: Speaking outside the hospital where his wife is being treated, Danino expressed his horror and grief.
3: Again, I want to express my condolences to the five people who lost their lives. Not only were they residents, they were my friends, every one of them.
0: Police say 73-year-old Francesco Vili used a semi-automatic handgun to kill his neighbors. The victims were found in several units on multiple different floors. Billy had been embroiled in several lawsuits against the condo board for years, claiming the electrical room below his unit was making him sick. The local counselor went to visit Billy a month ago to try and help.
3: Based on my observation, I have to conclude that uh, he probably uh, was uh, seeing things that didn't seem to be there.
0: Police are being tight-lipped and have yet to confirm a motive, calling this investigation complicated.
1: That's Heather Wright with uh, CTV. So, I was mentioning the Integrity Commissioner investigating John Tory. This was based on a complaint from a guy who has complained previously. And as a matter of fact, one of his complaints against, if, if memory serves Robert Turner, he complained against uh, previous mayor, Rob Ford, and it went to a trial. And uh, that trial was argued on behalf of Mr. Ford, anyway, by Gavin Ty, who's a frequent uh, commentator here, and is going to be with us today to explain this one. That one ended with the mayor being vindicated. This one has ended with a uh, 72-page report that says there's no evidence John Tory broke conflict of interest rules when he took part in a council meeting vote earlier this year. Now, just to give you the background on this, the um, you may remember Active TO, where they were closing down streets, including Lakeshore. And the head of the Toronto Blue Jays sent a letter to the mayor saying, you know what, this is really screwing up access to our baseball games when we have a Blue Jays game and the roads are closed, so I think you should stop closing uh, Lakeshore. And so that went to a vote on council. The allegation was that because John Tory has a relationship with the Rogers Corporation, he serves on a board which supervises their charity initiatives, that he was in a conflict of interest. I actually think the greatest revelation in this report was it was Etobicoke Lakeshore councillor Mark Grimes who wrote the letter and sent it to Mr. Shapiro at the Blue Jays. Shapiro then put it on Blue Jays' stationery and signed his own name to it. So here's a city councillor kind of manipulating his agenda by trying to get somebody more important than him to sign on for a policy he wants and incidentally, he lost his bid for reelection in the fall. So I guess there's a bit of karma there. Um, however, um, the investigation by the integrity commissioner has exonerated Mayor John Tory. Um, and one of the things that he pointed out, and this is highly technical, but if you're going to write an integrity report, it's got to be highly technical. He checked the attendance for Blue Jays games and said that there was no difference, no variation between the attendance for games um, on uh, during times where the roads were closed and games during times where the roads were open. So, he said that there was no pecuniary interest for the Blue Jays um, or John Tory and Rogers if They change the policy. I know that's complicated stuff, but uh, it's a 72-page report. And I guess if you're an ethics commissioner, you you, you do your homework.
2: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: That'll be an interesting day in Washington. And, you know, find myself wondering, pretty sure Volodymyr Zelensky, even though he's going to be in the Oval Office, will probably still be wearing his uh, battle fatigues. Um, Some people were sniping about that. There is, I know that George Lagajanis, when we were talking on CP24, was mentioning American Republicans not supporting the aid to Ukraine. It's actually a fairly small pocket. It's kind of the the Trumpers and talk radio and cable, some talk radio and cable. And it, it still amazes me that after having spent decades trying to defeat Russia after having won the Cold War and now watching the leader of Russia behave very much like the Germans behaved in the late 1930s in terms of aggressively taking over territory that doesn't belong to them, that when that situation presents itself, these people want to want to run. They'd rather Ukraine become part of Russia, and then that expands the Russian borders to the point where it's flirting with Um, Western Europe, and threatening countries that are very much friendly to us, not only that, but threatening the countries we are obliged to defend, should Vladimir Putin continue to roll on past those borders. So, presented with those situations, we're back to where a lot of people were during the rise of Nazism, and uh, during the Second World War, and and in the immediate aftermath of the invasion of Poland, there was an American isolationist movement, and it was led by some fairly creepy people, including Henry Ford, Father Conklin, who was a Canadian, and um, Lindbergh. And they were proven wrong by history, so I don't know why people want to repeat that chapter, but Vladimir Zelensky will address Uh, Congress. He'll meet with Joe Biden, and then you get into the business of Patriot missiles. And I was listening to a very lengthy interview about Patriot missiles, and if I understood what the guy was saying, not understood, but if I remember well, because I was out driving and you're always distracted for a couple of minutes here or there, but I think he said it takes like 90 people to run a Patriot missile uh, base, and... So it's an extraordinarily complicated operation and it requires intense training. And the Americans can't just give these missiles and their launchers to the Ukrainians and uh, let them figure it out with a manual. Um, they have to train them, but they can't do so on Ukrainian soil because the minute American military people set foot in Ukraine, we got a war. So apparently this is gonna take place in Germany. Back closer to home, I was talking in the last half hour about this uh, thing called biosimilar drugs. Basically, it's um, you know approximations of drugs; they're almost chemically identical, but not completely. And Ontario has decided that when it comes to providing drugs for seniors and people on social assistance, that by next March the province is going to move over to biosimilars instead of named. Pharmaceuticals. That will save an awful lot of money. They haven't been able to put their fingers on how much, but I mean, when it comes to biosimilars, they are markedly cheaper, like sometimes a fraction. But here's the issue: for some people with some disorders, and different organizations like Crohn's and Colitis Canada are speaking up about this. They insist the biosimilars are not the same, and that they upset the balance that a lot of people who suffer from that those disorders have found thanks to the drugs, the name drugs that they're on. And so they say they can't switch them over. But you know, once again, I I know this government appears to be doing hard-ass things but they have shown a great deal of flexibility in it. And so one of the aspects of that is that the health ministry is saying, okay, make your case. If you can prove that people need name drugs and biosimilars aren't gonna work, we'll go category by category and we'll we'll make it work. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.